Welcome to Loving That Sports Talk with your host, James Loving. If you're looking for a fast-paced show that covers football and so much more, this is the place to be. Now, here's your host, formerly of the Philadelphia Eagles, James Loving. I'm here, James. Well, Chris, before I introduce my guest, I want to give a little background while we're doing the show today. Um, I have to apologize. We're supposed to do the last week, but but we I had to work a little extra, then I had a lot of guests that was going to call in, too, for the show. But we're still going to do the show, Chris. The reason yep. why I'm doing the show, Chris, is um, I was talking with Gerald Abraham, one guy that played college ball with me, and we got to talking about you know, uh, sports, and you know, guys that come in, and other guys come in, and they and the guys end up sportsmanship. Um, and one guy, like a guy who started, and another guy coming, they start in, they you know they take the guy position, or you know, a guy give them much playing time. And we were talking about character of guys. You know how we talked. I think it was. Um, well, the NBA or NFL, Chris, I can't remember, but we was talking about how the one guy came in and they wouldn't help him and tell him the wrong play, which happened to me at Philly and Gerald uh, said happened to him in Kansas. So my point for this show was a very, very special show that um, when I got to the University of uh, Wyoming, Chris, uh, we was dropped, we was brought, a bunch of guys were brought in from the Juco. And on um, the team, well, we got to talk with Gerald, if you remember. We had asked Gerald how it was when, you know, one coach to the next coach, and you bring in these new guys, how did he feel? Like Gerald said, you know, he felt really good, you know, and helping the guys that came in, and, you know. I got to think of this. It was very emotional to me. As you know, Chris, I know you listened to the show that. We came in with a bunch of junior college guys, and um, one guy that stood out to me that, that still helped me and that didn't complain or nothing was a young man named Lord Schaefer. And it was amazing because how he didn't bitch, he didn't complain, he helped us, still helped us, you know, with our rouse or anything we needed, you know, on the field and off the field, and didn't complain, Chris. So that's where we're at with this show. And I wanted to make this a special show to him, Chris, and just ask him questions about different things and how he felt and what it takes to be a person like him because it's amazing from what I learned, you know, from high school, college, and the pro that that young man right there that did that really, really is special. What do you think, Chris? I think it's great. I, I believe you said you wanted to dedicate this show to him. Yes, I did. Well, let's introduce our guest, Chris. Uh, Lawrence Schaefer. Yeah, Lawrence? I'm here, James. I'm here. Thank you very much. Uh, those are some very kind words. So, Lawrence, we're going to get started. Right now. Like I told Gerald, it's very, um, I just don't know how you could do it. You know, how did you feel first, like I asked Gerald, was, you know, the coaches you had before and the program and the, and the things they were doing wasn't really winning. How did you felt being on that type of team, Mark? You know, um, 
it, it, I had mixed emotions about it because, you, you know, we're right. We weren't really winning. Um, and a lot of times it's not about winning or losing. It's about how you gel as a team. Uh, because if you can gel as a team, then the wins and losses will take care of themselves. So we weren't really gelling as a team. Uh, guys were pointing fingers at each other uh, and pointing fingers at the coaches. And what really wasn't happening is that, you know, if you're going to point the finger at somebody, you better point it at yourself first to see what you're doing to help the team. And if you can't, if you can't answer that question, then you have the problem. Uh, not the coaches, not the other players. The problem is you. So if you can't look yourself in the mirror and say, what are you doing to make the team better, to um, practice harder, to go to school more, if you can't do those things, then it's you who has the problem. And that's what, um, you know, we had to take a, a good look at ourselves um, and a good look at our coaches and a good look at each other before we could do anything more. So that's, you know, that was my mixed emotion, and that, that's something that I learned in high school. I didn't, in my high school, we had a, a winning season and a losing season and a winning season, so it was up and down. And it, it always comes back to, at least for me, what was I doing to help the team? And if I couldn't look myself in the mirror and if I couldn't point the finger at myself, then it was me who had the problem. Chris, go ahead and ask one question, then I'll get. Well, but before I ask one of my other questions, one of my questions I have, where, where did you where did you come from before you came to Wyoming? Uh, Denver, I, uh, oh, city of Aurora, so it's okay. a suburb of Denver, and I played at Hinkley High School. Yeah, um, I know the Before school. coming to Wyoming. Okay, yeah, Hinkley Hinkley actually had a very good program. And yeah. they've 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 been up and down, but I know they they have a very good program. So that's yeah, that's we good we to did have. we it, it was up and down, and you know not a lot of consistency, but we had a lot of talent. Um, and you know when I at least my senior year when I played, we were scoring averaging thirty two points a game, but the defense was giving up thirty five. So you know it was <laughs> that those, doesn't those help. Darned if you do and darned if you don't things. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so first question I have for you, you know, since, since since you're here in the area, you know, about the Broncos, let's talk about the Broncos quarterbacks. So far, there's no okay. proven starter, okay? There, there, there are three of them. There's Mark Sanchez, who's in, in his eighth season. He has the most experience. There's Trevor Simeon. Um, he was on last year's roster and last year's number two quarterback during mm-hmm. Manning's injury. You know, he has the most experience in the Broncos system. And then there's right. also Paxton Lynch. He's a rookie. But, and so he has kind of like the most ground to make up. You know, who do you see being the center, you know, being under center this season? Good question. Um, I, I think the, if, you, if you think about it, you probably would go with Sanchez um, because he's got the most game experience. Uh, and that's what you want to at least start the season. Uh, I, I think it would be smarter the Broncos to, even though they spent a lot of money on Paxton Lynch, um, to have him hold a, a clipboard for a season. Yeah, he, he may be able to come in and, and play right away, but I think if you're smart, you you hold him back and let Sanchez take the snaps and, and let them learn from each other. Um, I'm, I'm not sure about Simeon. He didn't, you know, he he could probably come in and do the job too. Um, but uh, I don't see him as the starter. I see I see Sanchez probably as the starter just because he's got the most 
live speed experience, game experience, and uh, NFL experience. So I think you start him uh, first and, and have the others watch and learn from him. Well, what would, what, what would you say that if, if Mark Sanchez doesn't become the starter, do you really see him wanting to hold, a, hold the clipboard and helping out the other two? Um, another good question. I, I don't – I think he'll do it for a year, but uh, just seeing Sanchez's personality on, on the media, he's, he's a starter. He wants to be a starter. He wants to lead a team. Um, that will be tough to do in Denver because, you know, the Denver fans, they'll put up with a little bit, but they're not going to put up with a lot. Uh, so uh, I think he will – I think he'll be the starter, and I think if he has to hold a clipboard, it, it will be for a year or two, but then he'll probably try to hit the free agent trail and, and go to a team where he thinks he can start or he knows he can start. But I think he – I'm – I think he can start here as a Bronco, so uh, we'll see. Well, All right. I want to go back to um, um, college. You know, okay. I, let's go back to, um, uh, I, don't, I don't think you remember it. I mean, it's one game. I can't remember the game. I put on zero. And something happened. I didn't want to go in the game. And you went in the game, and, you know, it just hit just, I mean, you were just like, was there. You know, I think I probably didn't even know the play. I think that was it was. And you went in and covered for me, you know. And you didn't tell the coach, you know, hey, whoever didn't know the play, nothing like that. That right there shows that, I mean, you were a team player and all like that. But how, how was it that, I mean, you know, all of us came in and, and you still were there to help, you know. What, what did that mean for you? You didn't put well, down, you know. You know, James, it was it was never about me. It, it was always about the team, um, and whatever I whatever my role was on the team to to help the team win games and to help us come together as a team, whatever that role was for me, I was I was willing to play it. So it wasn't it was never about uh, you know coming in and who starts when and who goes in for this. It, for me, it was never about I was just excited to be there. I was excited to be on a team that was gelling together. Uh, we started winning some games. You know, I, I was excited just to see that piece. I was excited to see us. Uh, I was excited to see more people run the fly routes than me. Because uh, <laughs> running them fly routes, after a while, you get tired. So uh, I, I was excited to, to see us starting to gel together as a team. You know, and it, and it didn't matter if, if I started or didn't start or I was a role player. It, it didn't matter to me as long because it, it was about the team. And, uh, you know, once we started gelling together as a team, the good things started happening. And that's what it's always been for me about the team, Not, never about me uh, and being selfish or anything like that, just what I could do to help the team. Yeah, okay, that's, that's, that's definitely a good good way to even think about because, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming that you carry that forward even even into your work life now that you have that same absolutely. attitude. Absolutely. You know? And there, there's, yeah, no, there's no better, better employee than having a, a, someone who's a teammate, who's a team player, who's willing to help out in whatever way they need. So, Right. And, and that's what you do. I mean, if you... If, if people, if you want to be successful as a group or as a team, then you do what's the best for the team. 
Um, you know, regardless, and you, you have to set feelings aside uh, and do what is best for the team. So, you know, I, I loved it. And growing up with three sisters and no brothers, uh, coming to Wyoming and, have, and having James and Sarge and, and Freddie and Crandell and all those guys come in, uh, you know, those were my brothers, and they still are. They still are my brothers. And, uh, you know, I would do anything for them today, and I would do anything for them back then. So uh, it, it's, you know, it's just that, that bond that you connect with, um, being a, a team player, and, again, you, you always try to do what's best for the team. Right. Right. Okay. So well, the next thing I want to talk about, since we're talking about quarterbacks and stuff, let's talk about the Jets. So they so okay. they offered Ryan Fitzpatrick a three-year deal. It's he hasn't signed it. It's been about two months on the table. He hasn't done anything with it. You know, keep in mind they still have Geno Smith, and who's entering his final final year on his contract. Uh, the Jets have also drafted two quarterbacks since last year. Mm-hmm. Um, and. I don't know if, if, if you followed you know, what's going on, but, uh, uh, you know, Decker, Eric Decker, you know, he kind of sat out showing a sign of solidarity because he wants Fitzpatrick in there. And, right. you know, we're not sure if Marshall, he kind of sat out for a little bit, but he didn't really say he was doing it in solidarity, but there's some talk that he did too. But anyway, should, so should Fitzpatrick go ahead and sign with the chance that he could lose the starting quarterback position in 2017? He could lose it this year uh, if he keeps holding out, uh, you know, because, again, you go back to the Jets organization and the Jets fans, they, they'll put up with a little bit, and they're kind of like the Broncos fans. They ain't going to put up with very much more. So uh, he's, he's got some decisions to make. I don't know what the holdout is. Um, he probably wants a better contract, I would imagine, as most of the players today do, uh, want a better contract or at least a more one that's more solid. Um, or maybe he wants a franchise, uh, uh, what do you call it, where they mark the players as a franchise player. Um, So I I don't know what the the holdout is, but, you know, I I like Geno Smith. Um, I I thought he played great for the Jets. Uh, He still has a a good-sized learning curve, but as far as athleticism and knowing where to put the ball and – and you know, not get not taking sacks and things like that. I, I like Geno Smith, and I think he can play the game. I think he can play quarterback just as good as Fitz, Fitzpatrick. So, uh, you know, I don't know what Fitzpatrick's holdout is, but he better not hold out too much longer because Jets organization is not going to put up with that very much longer. They want somebody coming in the training camp who's ready to go, and Geno Smith could be their guy. Um, and you know, they got to put some work in with him, but at least he's committed. Right, true. Well, me, my turn moment. Chris asked you all those questions, and I'm glad that she asked those because it has me go back to what I want to ask. You never, never uh, hit a bad practice or, you know, game. And like you're saying about, you know, these quarterbacks, they get out there and work. We, we could even take a day off because we do. Hey, Lawrence out there working his butt off. What made you just try to keep going up there every day to work hard, Lawrence? Seriously, I mean, I mean, some people are like, well, forget it, you know, such and such plan. I'm gonna take it. I'm a loaf, but you never did that. And now you see these days, like you could talk about these quarterbacks. You said you don't know what the problem holding now. Remember the guy over Philadelphia Eagles said he don't want to work for his job. You know, in the quarterback Bradford. What made you, Lawrence? Because I, I got to keep talking about you about college because. 
I looked at that field. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm like, shoot. I got to work harder than one because I don't love, you know what I'm saying? So you made everybody go 120 because you was going 115. What made you keep going? <laughs> every time you, keep going? Uh, you know, you know, I don't know. I, I, I go back to I guess what my high school coach told me. My for those, my high school coach. I had some good ones, uh, and uh, one was David Graham. He was he's the uncle of uh, Daniel Graham. You remember Daniel who played uh, for the Broncos, played a little tight end, and so anyway, David Graham was his uncle, and he told me before I left for Wyoming my freshman year. He said, you know, you know, Chavers. Get your walking papers because regardless of what happens, nobody can ever take that from you. And mm-hmm. then he said, um, you know, go and enjoy it. Go and have fun with it because not everybody gets to do what you get to do. And that kind of stuck with me, those two things he told me. Um, and as I think about, think about it now, and I thought about it a lot while, while we were playing, it's true. Not a lot of people have the chance to say I play college football. You know, not a lot of people have a chance to say I played in the bowl game. Not a lot of people have a chance to say you know we went back to back undefeated. That kind of stuff. Even and I'm an assistant principal and athletic director at a school, and nobody in my school can say that but me. So you know, I I just try to take advantage of what I had and what I had. And there were days where I was like, this sucks. I don't want to do this. But at the same time, I was like, you know, LC, you're the lucky one. You get to be out here doing this, and you're you're not working, you know, at Subway to try to get your college paid for. And um, you get to get out here and, you know, mingle with the guys and have fun and learn some things. And, you know, what happens, happens. If you have a great season, fantastic. If you don't, that's okay, too. At least you got the opportunity to play. So um, that's what I just try to keep in the back of my mind and, uh, you know, just consider myself one of the lucky ones who got a chance to play collegiate football and uh, got a chance to play on a great team with some great guys and, uh, you know, and those, those bonds that I've built and friendships that I have, I still have them. So, you know, who else can say that? Just us who went through everything, we can all say that, that we did it as a team. But you can't, not many people can say that. Yep, that's true. Chris, did you, you hear the music, Chris? Yeah, I hear the music. You know what? We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about football. We'll be right Absolutely. back. Absolutely. Okay. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Want to experience football from the perspective of two former players who also have coaching experience? Tune in to Sports Info UM with Daryl Oliver and Sam Sword. We'll talk about the drafts, play-by-play, and even what's happening in the offseason. Daryl and Sam have the connections and the knowledge to bring you the inside stories of the game's past, present, and future. We'll cover the camps, on and off field, and everything else, football and beyond. Sports Info UM is heard Mondays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Check your feelings at the door and enter the man cave. Don't let the name fool you because we're here for anybody that wants to talk and listen in. 
Hosts J.D. Harris and Ray Austin are here to lead the forum from the fans, former players, owners, execs, and coaches. While inside the man cave, you do whatever you like. We won't judge. We'll even go beyond sports to talk technology, current events, and entertainment. Tune in every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You're hooked up with loving that sports talk. James Loving and his guests want to hear it from you. Call us at 1-888-346-9144. That's 888-346-9144. Or drop an email to lovingthatsportstalk at yahoo.com. Now, back to the show. This is James Loving, loving that sports talk. And back with me, one co-host, Chris, you there? I'm here. Chris, it's just, uh, I mean, just, just you know, I don't know what to do with this show. I was so excited to do it, you know, and it's just amazing. It's funny, you know, my mom and I'm always, you know, have everybody come to church over, you know, they cook and everybody at the show. And I told them that last week we were going to do it and they had everybody, and then everybody came back. You know, and this morning when they texted me, they said they had 42 people off today. Everybody oh, my goodness. The show on. So, you know, <laughs> oh, oh, okay. <laughs> so, um, Lawrence, but like Chris, I want to just, you know, um, I don't know where I would be, you know, like I told Gerald, you know, and Gerald's like, that is funny that you said that, you know, about Lawrence, you know. He said, I would never think, I said, yeah, I was thinking that because when I was playing, Chris, and also, like I told you, I never seen, and I look in his eyes every time he was on that practice field or on a game, and he had 100% in him. I mean, it wasn't like, oh, you know, we're just out here, you know what I mean? It was always 100%, like, hey, let's do this, you know, God, what do you need me to do? What can I help? So, Chris, you know, doing this is just it's amazing that's where I went. And people understand, everybody's like, oh, it comes from your dad, oh, it don't have to come from your parents or some of your family. It can come from somewhere else, Chris. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Mine Absolutely. Came from, um, came from Lawrence, and I just want to thank him. And, you know, Lawrence, you know, I just want to, you know, just, just get the your feeling of you. I never really got to talk to you when we were football and we left, but, you know, uh, that drive you had in you, you know what I'm saying? Um, you said you grew up with, you know, sisters, and, you know, how did that work growing up with your sister? You had no brother to play ball with, or not, you know, because, like, I grew up with, Three other brothers, you know. How was that? Um, well, again, thanks for the kind words, James. I, I sure appreciate that. But definitely not necessary. We all wanted to do it together. Um, so, what you know, I I don't know if you know. We grew up in a military family. My dad was in the Air Force, so you moved every two to three years to different states, and you just had to learn to make friends. You had to learn to get along with people you know, for the couple of three years that you were there before you moved on. So even though I didn't have any brothers, you know, we the neighborhood kids would would come together and play a lot and uh, just go out and, you know, shoot hoops, play football, just whatever we could do. 
just to occupy ourselves because that was, you know, back in the days when your parents were like, just get out the house and go do something. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I remember when I was younger, we had, I don't do you remember that, uh, that toy, Mr. Quarterback? I don't know if you remember that or not. It was a little wind-up thing, and you put a plastic oh, yeah. football yeah. on there, and yeah. it would just it would throw it for you after like six or seven seconds, and uh, so we would we would do that often, and, and you know four or five of us just go play with Mr. Quarterback and uh, run out and catch passes and play tag or tackle or whatever we did, and that's that's kind of what you did. You entertained yourself, and um, you you kind of forced yourself to get along with other folks. So. That's kind of how my childhood was uh, growing up in a military family. Yeah. Okay, so Lawrence, I, I gotta ask. I, I have I have a couple friends listening, and they really want it, want me to ask this question. So okay, here we go. The NBA final starts tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> Who do you think is going to win between Golden State Warriors and Cleveland Cavaliers, and in how many games? Uh, I think this. I think this year it's going to go seven games. Um, I think last year it went six. Is that right? I think. Uh, yeah, it was four to two last year. I think Golden State's going to repeat. Um, they're they're on a roll right now, and they they kind of dug themselves out of the hole, and they're on a roll. And Cleveland's had a couple of days off, and if you don't stay, you know, fresh, you you could. It could go one of two ways. You can be, you know, really, really fresh to play and just whoop the team that you're facing, or you can, you know, you've got some lazy, lazy habits the last couple of days. But uh, Golden State is looking really good right now, really good. So uh, I'm going to put my money on Golden State. All right, you heard it right here. Lawrence says it's going to be Golden State. In seven. In It'll seven. It'll go seven. Yep, okay. I'm going to hold you to it. Okay. <laughs> well, I got to ask this, Lord. Um, I was talking with Saul the other day. I was talking about, you know, he's going to be on and we have to talk him. And uh, he mentioned something that I, I didn't know, but I kind of knew. He was talking about me and him was out there competing against each other, trying to be the best. We got each other. And he said, you know what? Guys like Lawrence, you know, was out there. I'm just working hard. There wasn't no competing. I mean, how how do... I mean, I didn't think of that until he said that. I'm like, God, yeah. And I think that was when it dawned on me when I did see it. I probably didn't, you know, but I recognized how hard you were working. But that probably would change the team and made us, you know, become that big family. How did you, I mean, do that? You know, just one out there, you know, trying to compete like we were because we were out there going there. We just trying to be, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, but, you know, James, in the big picture of things, and that's what I, I try to look at is the big picture of things. You know, when we played at Wyoming before you guys came, it was just it was me and Coleman. And, okay, so they're running this, the wishbone offense, and we only have to clue one receiver, maybe two receivers. That's it. But when you guys came along, uh, now they had to worry about eight, nine, ten of us. You know what I mean? Um, and so even if I was running around as a decoy, I, it was my job. I, I had to figure out what my job was. If it was to take the free safety away from you guys so you can be open, then that's what I'm going to do. Because, they, you know, they opposing defenses, as much as they wanted to, they couldn't cover us all. They tried, but they, could, they just couldn't do it. Even our defense, who I think uh, our defense was the best defense we ever faced, 
um, in, in practice, and, you know, our defense was good. They couldn't cover us all the time in practice either. So whatever, again, whatever I could do to help out with that, whether it was run decoy routes or take away a safety or your corner or something like that, that's what I wanted to do because, again, it was, it was about the team. And, you know, as we started winning games, then people started believing in each other and people started, even the people outside the team who had no idea what was going on on the team, they started believing in us and then the good things started to happen. So, but, you know, it was, it, it, it was, it was new and fresh and exciting. Um, it was, now they don't have, now we don't have to key on one or two people. We have to try to key on everybody and there's no way they could do it. So that, that made fun for me. Um, even if I didn't catch a pass or whatever, I, you know, I was happy to block downfield or whatever. It was, it was just for the team, and I enjoyed being a part of something special, and that was definitely something special. You know, I lost before you go, Chris. Uh, uh, when you said that, I was just sitting there thinking. Uh, this one coach told me, he said, you could have, a, say, a Peyton Manning and all that, but he said, of all the other Nine to the guys on the team ain't know they're supposed to do. That playing will make him, you know, good. You know what I'm saying? That playing on the work. And when you say, right. you know, people had to be the decoy to run the long route or do the out to make somebody open, that's why we were successful because you like you was doing you so that you weren't saying, oh, I'm not going to run this route. You know what I'm saying? Because you didn't do that, we couldn't have been open. Or that other person didn't do what they're supposed to do who the ball was going to wasn't going to get it. Or Gerald wasn't going to be open for the, the hole. We didn't take our guys off and block them, you know. So when right. you said that, that made so much sense, you know. And, you know, people think, you know, look out there, oh, he ran a great route. But what you said was the other people ran routes too to make him that route be where it was. So right. I have to take my house with that answer, Mark. Right. Well, and, and that's, I mean, again, it was just part of being a part of the team. And, you know, I've always been taught to you do what's best for the team, always. So um, I was happy to do it. Uh, Lawrence, did you ever see the movie Rudy? Yes. Do you feel like Rudy? Uh, I'm about his height, so (laughs) 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 I run a little faster than him. Um, (laughs) um, You know, um, that's a good question. I I don't feel like Rudy, I guess. I I do and I don't. Um, You know, I I don't know. I, I guess I feel like him in the sense that he would always do what was best for the team. And he was always trying to encourage the team to, you know, we can do just one bit better. We can do one bit better. One more play, one more something. Um, You do what's best for the team. Um, I I got more plays than he did. (laughs) True. So so I guess if you looked at at the character piece, probably I have a little bit of of him uh, character-wise. but again, like I said, I, and, you know, he was just happy to be part of the team, and so was I. So well, let me ask you yeah. this before you go, Chris. You know, uh, I got to talk with school. I got to talk with Wig. I was telling him I was doing a show for you, you know, and uh, and me and Wig was talking about it. So everybody thought, you know, the freshman guy, that Wig was the leader of the freshman in the box. I was okay, you know. And, and you think back. You was the leader of us, Lawrence, me, Shaw, Scoop, Freddie, 
um, Eric Coleman, you know, Norris. Um, you was the leader. Did you know that? I mean, did you even feel that? No, I didn't feel that. I, I, I felt like we were all in it together, you know, because, you know, you know what the turning point was, James, is when, um, when Erickson left. You remember that? Yeah. And we had that, that uh, team meeting. It was just players only. You remember that? Yeah. Yep. That was the turning point for, for me, and, and I think that was the turning point for us as a team, you know, because we weren't going to let anybody come in regardless of who our coach was, we weren't going to let anybody come in and take what we had started and, you know, try to take from or build up. It was, it was all about us now as a team. So it didn't matter what coaches came in or what coaches left. I think that was our turning point, and, I th- and we did that as a group. You know, so I don't, I don't think that I was – I didn't see myself as a leader in that piece. I, I think we did it together uh, as a group, as a, a wide receiver group. Um, and, you know, that was, that was hard to take because, you know, we weren't used to people coming and going and coming and going. And, you know, you, you felt like the redheaded stepchild that nobody liked. But you knew at the same time you had, you had your brothers with you. And you weren't the only one going through it. We were all going through it together. So um, we gelled. I think that was our turning point when we gelled together. And I, I think we were all leaders uh, of the team in our own way. You know what I mean? Um, in our own way, we all brought something to the table. We put it together as a group, and then we put, that group, we put the groups together as a team. And that, I think that's why we were successful. Well, Chris, Lawrence ain't going to come on my show and tell me what I want to say. You were our leader. <laughs> I don't care what you say because when I was growing up, the leader was a guy that you could look up to and say, you know, hey, he's working hard and doing everything, and that's what you want because everybody can't be a chief. Somebody got to be the Indian. So you can say what you want to say, Lawrence. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care what you say. Your leader was you, and, you know, and, and you did it in a, in a quiet way. You weren't screaming at people, none. Uh, work ethics and attitude, and that's a leader, Lawrence. To me, what do you think? Well, thank you, James. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. I didn't, I didn't see it then, but um, thank you for acknowledging that. I appreciate that. Yeah. Well, Chris, go ahead because Lawrence getting me mad now. Uh, well, we, I, I, better take, I better take the floor then, Lawrence. We don't want this to happen. So, no, I don't want to get mad at me. Uh, no, 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 no. All right, Lawrence. So Antonio Brown, you know, he's Pittsburgh Steelers uh, wide receiver. He has a yes. goal of 150 catches this season. And the most he's made to date is 136, and that was in 2015. Do you think he'll succeed? This season coming up? Yes. Is he still with the – he didn't get traded, did he? No. He's still with the Steelers? Yes, he is. Oh, okay. Um Eve, that's a tough question. Um, ben is still coming back as the quarterback, right? Yeah, Ben's still there. Okay. Did they pick up any receivers in the draft? They, there was a couple that they that they got. Um, I don't think there's any that they're going to be that'll probably probably be starting right off the bat. No. Um, okay. That's going to be tough because if if they don't have anybody who can come in and be role players and help him out. Uh, he's gonna be he's gonna be singled out. He'll probably be double covered, 
Um, and so he might get to 150, but now what they know he can do, they're probably going to double him up. Um, so unless he has some other uh, role players that can come in and help take relieve some of that, uh, it, it will be tough for him to get to 150, but it's not impossible. No, I got two questions. I'm going to let you answer the first, and then I'm come back to the second. But, um, okay. What do you think is more important, the guy that keeps going out of the touchdown or the one guy that can get that, like, say, any third and one and get that one yard or, you know, get that first? Which one will seem more important to you? Um, well, probably the guy who will get the third and one for you um, because now you get another set of downs. Um, you, it's always a roulette shoot when you go long, uh, you know, unless you've got an, an all-star out there who will bring it home for you all the time, but that doesn't always happen. I, I like the consistency of the person who can get that third and one for you so you can keep the ball and keep the time, keep the clock running, uh, wear the defense down. That, that's the person I look for. I knew you were going to ask it that way. That, see, I, that's why I you the leader. That's why my second question is, like, I'm not team from Wyoming. You know, we had different guys that do things. You know, one runner out, one runner dig, and all like that. That's important in the offense, isn't it? Unless you just try, you know what I'm saying? Don't you think that will make a team really jail one? Absolutely, absolutely. Because the deep, you you got to keep the defense guessing as to what's going to happen next. You know, you line up in trips or trips open, and then run a draw, or you know, a quick dump, or one somebody who's one on one and they run a slant. Uh, I, you got to keep the defense guessing. So and once you keep the defense guessing, you move the ball. And you keep moving the ball, you get down to the red zone, and then you put it in. So, uh, that, you know, I think everybody has an important role to play, uh, whether you're running decoy routes or the ball's coming to you or you just don't know. So, you know, you try to play every play that you can, play it your hardest, and hope for the best. James, are we going to take a break, or do you want to continue through to the end? No, we'll take a break. Then we'll continue to the end in the next one. So we'll take a break now. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. Sports and medicine go hand in hand. Quite simply, if you aren't up to your game health-wise, you won't be up to your game on the field. That's where Bruce the Sports Doc comes in. Dr. Bruce Grossinger uses his medical training and experience to bring you a link between sports and medicine, from the latest advances and treatments to discussion behind the injuries of the week. Bruce the Sports Doc and his team of guest experts are here each week to lay it on the line in terms that you can understand. Tune in every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Okay, sports fans, here's your opportunity to discuss football, America's favorite sport. On an annual basis, millions of people attend, watch, and listen to football, both pro and college. Ray Ellis Sports, an internet talk radio show, was developed with the fan in mind. Join host, former Philadelphia Eagles and Cleveland Browns strong safety, Ray Ellis, on Voice America Sports every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific for exciting, interactive football discussions from the fans' perspective. Tune in every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific to Ray Ellis Sports right here on the Voice America Network and let's talk football. 
We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You're hooked up with loving that sports talk. James Loving and his guests want to hear it from you. Call us at 1-888-346-9144. That's 888-346-9144. Or drop an email to lovingthatsportstalk at yahoo.com. Now, back to the show. Hey, this is Zed Loving, your host of Loving That Sports Talk. I'm here. Before um, we get, get to another question, well, I got an email I want to read to Lawrence. So I haven't asked for this for. Perfect. This okay. Guy named Jacob from Wisconsin. Lawrence, I'd like to know. I'm. I'm never mind. Hold on. Let me get my glasses. Yeah. <laughs> uh oh. <laughs> Lawrence, I would like to know how difficult was it for you by being changing state after state in the, with the military family. And then still be able to make friends and keep the friends on the football team. Um, you know, there's that was Jacob. So Jacob, there's an old saying that goes, "Make friends before you need them." And my dad kind of taught me that when I was younger. Uh, and being in a military form, family, you're almost forced to be friends because you're all forced to live together on the same base. So, and if your families are at war, uh, then you really come together as a, as a unit and everybody looks out for everybody else. So, uh, being in a military family growing up, it was, it was truly, um, uh, it took a village to raise all of us. So I, I would get in trouble at my friend's house cause my friend's mom would smack me on the head if I was doing something that she thought was inappropriate and my mom would smack my friends on the head if we were doing something that she thought was inappropriate. So you just learned um, growing up. You learned to get along with everybody, and you learned to respect everybody and respect everybody's differences and, and what they were the same. And I think when I left to go to Wyoming, I, I took that with me because, uh, you know, I had a, a general respect for, for James and Sarge and Freddie and all the guys that I played with, Eric and Gerald and, um, you know, it was just a general respect for each other because we were all uh, after the same goal. So um, it was difficult a little bit, but the outcome was, was fantastic. Good. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, Go ahead, James. Well, my first one is I wanted to ask you close to the end, but we, 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 I won't, you might let you talk. If you want to talk to the end, that's fine. One question you learned, uh, what is the most thing you can remember when you were in high school and when you were in college? What sticks to you that, you know what I'm saying, that you can say, you know what, uh, I'll never forget that, or, you know, or that was something that, you know, made you laugh or smile, you know what I'm saying? Uh, on the field or off the field? Let's go with on the field and off the field. Okay, so... I think my most memorable moment on the field in high school, uh, we were in the playoffs my junior year, and I was double covered. 
we were playing like the, I think it was Fort Collins High School, and I was double covered. Had ran a post corner, and the quarterback threw it just right, and I I caught it in the end zone, in front of one but behind the other. So I had both guys on me, but ended up making the catch anyway. And some people, some of the reporters who were there saying that was the catch of the century. Um, in college, you, you know the thing. You gonna laugh at this, James? You remember when we played at uh, uh, BYU, and you had yeah. come off the field. You like Lawrence going. I, I just ran this fly route. I'm tired, and it, it was on punt return. You remember that? Yeah. And I was standing out there at, uh, at BYU Stadium, and that guy just leveled me um, from. You know, he didn't get. It was back before they had the two two yard halo rule. Uh, or they were supposed to have it, and they didn't call it. And the guy, I caught the punt, but the guy just ran right through me like I wasn't even there. And I, I remember laying on my back going, holy moly, why did I come out? Why did I come in the game for this? <laughs> so, uh, but then I didn't, want to, I, didn't want him, I didn't want him to see that he got me good, so I popped right up, and we had a few words with each other. And then went our separate ways. And then I got to the sideline. I remember seeing three James Lovings and three Sargents and three coaches. You know, I was like, what is going on? So, and then, uh, of course, Arrow, uh, of course uh, Coleman had to come over and say something smart. So uh, I remember that. And I remember those two plays because I remember, oh, man, that hurt. Um, on the field or off the field. Uh, I remember being in college and um, I got a horrible grade in interpersonal communications because the teacher she wrote she wrote the book and she taught the class and she said what 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 white people don't understand about black people is that when black people introduce themselves they they turn their back on white people and I'm like and so I questioned her on that and mm-hmm. she was reaching back James to the 70s where. You know, it was slap my hand, black soul man, and you, and you did the spin turn. Remember that? Yeah, yeah. And she was saying that's what black people do all the time. And I was like, we don't do that anymore. This is the 80s. We give a pound. You know, we pound each other yeah. up. And she said, if you were to do that to a white person, they would think that you're going to strike them. And I was like, what? <laughs> what are you talking about? We do that all the time. So anyway, she and I got into it, and she gave me an F in the class because I told her she was wrong. Um, so I had to take the class over the summer, and I'll, I'll never forget that because she was wrong. She just didn't want to admit that's not what we do anymore. Um, and then, gosh, a lot of memories in high school, but that's that's some of the things I remember most. Hey, Lawrence, I wanted to stop you, but that was funny you saying that I was telling Gerald, I said, God, it's some place. Oh, shit, I ain't going in there. Lawrence is going there. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even say that, because I told Gerald, we was at home, and I remember Hogan was kind of like, hell, I had to do something, a big linebacker. So I ain't going there, Lawrence like, I'm going there. That linebacker, I was like, shit, that linebacker's too big for me to go in that track back <laughs> You know, I don't know if you remember that, but I'm laughing when you said that, because I'm like, that was funny. I remember lots of those plays. I ain't going in there. I'll go. <laughs> it's like Mikey. Let's get Mikey to do it. You do it. Mikey. You're going in there and get your ass to walk. Yeah, those were some good times. Yeah, it was. Go ahead, Chris. All right. 
So, Lawrence, let's talk about Marshawn Lynch. Do you really think that he's done with football on the Seahawks? Most players don't walk away from good money. Hmm, that's true, but if he wants to continue walking in the next 10 years, he's probably done. Um, you know, because being a running back in the NFL takes a toll on your body. Uh, I, I, I think he's done. I think he's kind of taken the page from Barry Sanders. Um, you know, make enough. He can, he's been in the league long enough he can get the league retirement. And, I mean, I don't know the man personally, but I think he would still like to walk, be able to walk away in order to walk away. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So uh, I think he's done. I think he said that he's done. I think he is. He probably still wants to have his wits about him in, in 10 years or so and still be able to walk and use his knees and his hips and everything else. So I, I think he's done. Lauren, I have a question. Friday Night Tikes, 
where they have kids starting as young as like eight years old in, yep. you know, in, in pads and everything. Do you, what, what age do you think that they should even start wearing pads? Um, you know, that's, that's such a controversial question because I think kids can start, I, I think I started in third grade is when I started playing football. Um, I think, I think now kids need to wait until they're at least middle school age and it's okay for them to play like flag football or something like that. The, the bigger issue is are we teaching or are we coaching kids correctly? And you don't see a lot of that going on either. You know, coach, are you coaching kids to tackle correctly? Are you coaching them to hold the ball correctly, to brace themselves, you know, head up all the time? Are you doing, are you coaching that piece correctly? Um, and, you know, Gerald Abraham and I talk about that all the time, uh, if folks are coaching correctly or not. I, I, I think sixth grade is when someone should start because that way they don't get burned out. I think nowadays kids are getting burned out too early. Um, in the sport that they're playing. And, and a lot of that is parent mm-hmm. uh, involvement. And a lot of it is just they've just been playing for so many years, they're just tired of it. Yeah. Well, how, how do you deal with it when you were the coach? Because I had coached in the football, and I, I got out of it. Like, why are you on coach? I can't deal with the parents, you know. Um, because I look at sports when I was coaching football. It was about fundamental. Let the kids learn the fundamental football. Everybody, oh, it's about winning and winning. Right. How do you deal with that long when you're the coach and all the parents want to win, win, win? Um, so every every season, but the start of season, and also I do this now as an athletic director, I have a parent meeting, first day of practice, and I just kind of lay down the rules. This is what it's going to be. And we did this in high school too when I coached um, receivers in high school. This, these are the rules. This, these are my expectations. Your kid may get a scholarship or they may not. They might not even step on the field. But these are the rules, and this is the way it's going to be. It's my ship, not yours. If you don't like it, go to another team. And I, I'm usually very upfront about with the parents with that. Um, and I usually don't have any beef. If if the parents are yelling stuff during the game, this, that, and the other, I will pull the kid off the field and say, take your kid and go home. So, and that that has happened a couple of times, and I've been called a few names, but, you know, what's right is right. And uh, I will never, uh, I will never skimp on that. What is right is right, and we will again. We will play as a team. Your kid is going to learn fundamentals. If you're here for the wins only, then you're not here. You're not in the sport for the right reason. Well, I got to deal with it in the show, but Chris, now you know where Lawrence is. Now, see, Chris didn't know much about him, but now you know, Chris. You know, I know. I'm I'm learning. I'm seeing. <laughs> and, and, and Lawrence, I want to let you know, I'm not the only one who feels this way, you know. I told you, Sean, Pooh, Sarge, you know. Uh, everybody feels this way about you. And like I said, Sean, hold your head up, man. You did a great job with a lot of people that you don't even know. That I mean, you inspire a lot of people's lives, Lawrence, so... Well, thank you very much. And, you know, hey, in the, in the end of all, end of all things, you know, we all became brothers, and that's what was important to me. So and we uh, accomplished, we had some success along the way, uh, and we're still all good friends today. So, um, you know, I want to thank you, too, for being a part of, uh, you know, we were all part of something special. So uh, let's keep that in the back of our minds. That's, that's the important piece. Yeah, Chris, you want to say something to me? Uh, it's it's actually great to to 
find out more. I, I always say with James, I, people like to know more about you know where where he came, where he's come from, what he's what he's done, and hearing it through you, it's it's a good thing. So take your medal, put it on your chest, and wear it proudly. <laughs> okay, I will. Thank you very much for having me on the show. I appreciate it. It was Thanks great meeting you. That's going to do it for this week's edition of Loving That Sports Talk. But don't worry, James Loving will be back next week, Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific, on the Voice America Sports Channel. Get ready to love more sports talk then. And keep in touch with James all week at lovingthatsportstalk at yahoo.com. 